0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time.
1: It's time. It's time. It's time. T- time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't
2: find anywhere else.
0: Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and
2: Bobby Belt. Ten, five victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Stars. Star. Welcome to the love of the star podcast. I'm Bobby Bell, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 through the fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of America's team joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broadus. You can now hear him Monday through Friday on 105 through the fan as co-host of the G Bag Nation 2 to 7 p.m. Central. You can also hear him as the pre and post game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Brian, how are you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing well, Robert. Thank you very much.
2: That was a that was an interesting game. Cowboys win this one, fifty-four to nineteen. Is that the least convincing thirty-five point victory you've ever seen, Brian?
1: That was crazy how that one went uh, going down, especially after the drive that started the second half of the Cowboys, where they hold the Colts to a three and out. They get the ball punted to them. Uh, Turpin Fair catches it. They're on the fifty yard line, and I'm thinking. OK, now go take their will to compete and you proceed to go three and out with some three of the worst plays you've ever seen. You know, and so, um, you know, I, I kind of felt like that that game was still in the balance that you were you know, allowing the Colts to hang around where the Colts could be able to score enough points. You know, it didn't appear that way but were you going to be able to do anything offensively? Were you going to be able to do anything to put pressure on them? You know, we talked about this a bunch that the one way to beat the Colts was to continually score. Well, that's the way to kind of beat anybody, but especially this team, because they just don't score a lot of points and you kind of saw why it takes them so long to get into scoring position, the way they play. Now they threw the ball down the field. They made a couple of plays. Uh, you know, they had a 19-yard run, which you know should have really been a gain of four if everybody just rallied to the ball and tackled instead of trying to bounce around there. And you know, but you now I, I, you know, I felt like that the Cowboys in that, you know, in that fourth quarter uh, when they got the turnovers, the offense came to life. Uh, Dak threw the ball, I thought well at that time. They had some uh, opportunities with the running game, and then you get the defense and. You know, we just all kind of felt, I I know watching the game, that Matt Ryan was not interested in standing back there and holding the ball and letting this Cowboy pass rush come after him. Now, give Dan Quinn some credit. He said, listen, my pass rush is not getting home. I better bring safety help. I better bring a linebacker help. You know, they did a really good job of confusing the Colts' blocking scheme. They have some veteran guys up front. And they did a great job with those blitzes of not only hurting, uh, you know, the, the blockers, the offensive linemen for the Colts, but also the backs on some of that blitz pickup stuff. But, you know, it, it, was, uh, it was something I really didn't expect. I kind of felt like the Cowboys could score, but to score that many points, uh, uh, that was uh, very impressive.
2: If you were on this team, if if you were if this was one of your Green Bay teams, for instance, back in the day, and, and you had just witnessed this game, and you saw the performance, and then you saw the scoreboard, which doesn't seem to to equal up to the performance, would you come out of that feeling better or worse about it? Because one line of thinking would probably say, boy, that was not the performance you, you needed. Don't get comfortable in that scoreboard, because that, that is not representative of how you played football. And then the other line of thinking out there says, Man, look you—you didn't even give your best game of football, and you put fifty-four points up on the board. That's no fluky thing. How would you feel coming out of this one? And and more directly, how do you feel the Cowboys feel coming out of this one?
1: Kind of feel like that. uh, You know, offensively, the Colts have got some good defensive players. Uh, You know, Quiddie Pay, DeForest Buckner, I, you know, uh, Ngakwe. I, I kind of felt like that they had some guys that could make some plays. I. You know, I felt like they could attack Gilmore. They tried to attack Gilmore. He was in good position. He got the interception. I'd seen him in previous three games where it's kind of like, well, man, here's the guy that kind of gives it up, you know, kind of gives up uh you know the the plays and stuff like that. I don't think it was pass I was
2: not I was not pushing you back, Brad. I, I was just wondering yeah, I don't
1: I don't think it was pass interference. When you watch those points, uh I think he did a good job. He did a good job of cutting
2: him off. He got he got right on there before the ball, though.
1: Yeah, well, he also got in think he cut I think he cut Gallup off. I think it surprised Gallup how quickly that he was able to cut him off right there. I don't think it was pass interference, you know. But I think there was some plays though that the Cowboys got away with as well with the calls. You know, the penalties weren't as huge factor as we thought this crew might have, but to get back to your initial question. You know, I I felt like there were some good players on this Colts defense. And and, but, you know, for them to move the ball like they did, you know, once they were able to establish a little bit of a lead, I, I think that says a lot about the Cowboys. And, you know, with Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott and this group when it came to and, you know, the offensive line running the ball, shuttling guys in and out, shuttling backs in and out, shuttling tight ends in and out. You're seeing a lot of depth on this football team both offensively and defensively and that itself is very impressive.
2: I thought this was your quarterback's worst game since he came back from the injury. Obviously the worst game he's played this year was Tampa. That was awful Um, but since he came back from injury I felt like this was the one and statistically it probably doesn't look quite like the worst but to me this was easily the one where Dak Prescott I felt like and, and everybody knows I'm a big Dak Prescott fan. I don't feel like Dak Prescott really made a damn bit of difference for you on Sunday. Um, but like, I, I don't think there were a lot of moments where it's like, oh, wow, well, well, that, that was a great throw there or whatever else. I, I mean, he had a couple of nice throws. The, the back shoulder to Gallup was nice. But overall, I felt like, you know, you know how we always had the line where we said we didn't feel like any of the games Cooper Rush won, Dak Prescott wouldn't. That to me felt like a game that with Dak's performance, Cooper Rush probably could have led them to a 54-point victory, too. I felt like because I, I just yeah. didn't see Dak really orchestrating anything well, yesterday.
1: Well, how many times have we seen, how many times have we seen uh quarterbacks that two they have three losses? Two of the three losses, and really the all three losses, the quarterbacks of the opponent weren't the reason why they won the game. Tom Brady wasn't the reason why they won against that Tampa one. Right. Uh you look at you know uh Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts wasn't the reason why Philadelphia beat uh Dallas. And, you know, and let's be honest, Aaron Rodgers wasn't the true reason why Green Bay won that game. I mean, he he had a nice tidy day, but the three quarterbacks and your three losses, that wasn't the 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 fact that the Cowboys couldn't defend the run. Yeah. Uh, there was some, there were some, some big plays on third down. There were some big drives, you know, long drives. So yeah, I, you know, sometimes you could get away with throwing for the amount of yards that Dak threw for and still find a way if you're going to run the ball for, you know, 250 yards and, and get all the production out of the backs that you did with the touchdowns as well.
2: See, and that's the other interesting thing. I, I don't think the, the backs were, I, I mean, the backs were good yesterday, um, but, but it's interesting, the same discussion about, man, it really didn't feel like a 54-19 to victory. Like, when you watch the way they played, I was stunned to see the final tally was like 222 yards on the ground. It, it, it Obviously, you're just going by feel. But to me, like, if I would have had to have guessed, I would have said, I don't know, they rushed for 130 yards or something. It it, it just it was interesting in that. The box score, the dominance in the box score just doesn't seem to match up totally, even though I think the running game was good. I don't think they struggled in the running game. It just it didn't feel like a 200-yard a team rushing performance. It didn't feel like at times that you know the, it was a three-touchdown day from Dak Prescott. I, I thought the guys who really stood out as great for me, Brian, the first one, the, the, the very top for me yesterday was CeeDee Lamb. I thought CeeDee Lamb was great, and, and CeeDee Lamb... I don't know if it's Odell Beckham chatter or what has, has clicked. It may just be finally getting to work with his quarterback. It's year three, it's clicking, and, and now Dak's back, and, and they've got a connection that that they both are they both really believe in each other and they both really trust each other. But man, there's stuff CeeDee Lamb's doing in the open field and 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 you know uh, that that I think is separate from Dak Prescott that just you have to explain away as CeeDee Lamb is now reaching a certain point. Everybody who got worked up this past offseason when we talked about, hey, CeeDee Lamb still got to show some things, and you said, CeeDee Lamb's a top-tier wide receiver. I hope now you see what the difference is because this is a different football player in the last six weeks, I think.
1: Well, the thing about it, it looks like CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma when we were all working on the draft. Mm -hmm. You know, the the ability, the run-after-catch, the movement, the motion, the finish, the physical toughness – the balance, the body control, you know, all those things that we saw CeeDee Lamb do while he was playing at Oklahoma, you're now starting to see for the Dallas Cowboys. And yep. I, I felt like that, you know, with you look at him, uh, you know, offensively, I know we're talking about Lamb, but when you talk about feed and speed with the running backs, yes. I you know, 29 carries, 168 yards, three yeah. touchdowns. You know, that's why you get, you know, you get these individual performances, but you look at Lamb, Gallup, you know, and now you get, you know, get uh, the two, you know, with the two running backs and the way they were able to play, it doesn't, Dak Prescott doesn't have to be that guy. But you are starting to see what we all thought CeeDee Lamb could be coming out of college.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Really impressive. And again, it's it's another one of these, you know, you you see the game yesterday. A lot of times when you have one of these performances, you expect a loaded Micah Parsons box score. That wasn't the case. Um, but you got some great contributions yesterday. I thought your safeties were really good. Uh, Malik Hooker, Donovan Wilson, they, they they were really strong yesterday. Deron Bland, both of those interceptions were, were incredibly impressive um, just in terms of the skill that it takes. The one where he, he, you know, went up for the first one and then the second one where he wrestled it away from the receiver. Um, I really feel like Bland is coming into his own. We know Anthony Brown tears his Achilles in this game. As much as people have been frustrated with him, that's tough. That's going to be tough to overcome. There's already starting to be a little bit of chatter that Kendall Sheffield, who's on the practice squad, could come up, play the outside, but he can also play inside-outside a little bit and that they could free up Bland if they needed Bland on the boundary, if they felt like they really needed somebody out there. If you can get Kendall Sheffield to play Adequate in the slot, Brian. Would you take Duron Bland out of the nickel at this point, and then put him on the boundary, given the struggles you've had out there, or would you just say, "Look, Duron Bland looks comfortable. He's he's he played a really good game this week. He's had a couple good games. Let's not mess with the good thing. Let's just figure out what the boundary corner is, and and not move Duron Bland."
1: What I know about Kendall Sheffield is he's a very quiet kid. He is uh, best in press coverage. And this is so he can jam and run those. are the, That's kind of his game. He struggles playing in off coverage or zone coverage. He's not, doesn't have great instincts. Uh, he struggles with ball skills. He's a very good gunner on the punt team from what I was told. Uh, but he always, he struggled with his health. He always has like a hamstring issue, a calf issue, and it takes him a long time to recover. Uh, so, you know, He's never gotten back from what I heard, the flash that he showed during his rookie season. There's been scouts that have described him as a little bit of a heartbreaker. So we'll see. That's the former player. That's a little bit of a scouting report on the player. Uh, If you tell me, okay, fine, play a good guy that can get up on you, can press, can run with you. Great. All those things are fine. You know, if you're asking to do something else, you know, we'll see. But, uh, you know, and it's going to be about health uh, with this kid. But he's been on the practice squad. He's been here. He's been available, uh, you know. And so uh, we'll see. They they obviously, Dan Quinn has done a great job of bringing guys in. Me personally, I feel like you need to continue on with with Kelvin Joseph. And the only reason I say this is because Kelvin Joseph, you know, has not played a lot of football. Okay? He hasn't. But Kelvin Joseph showed me something. And again, I take away what happened uh, on Sunday with the, you know, when he's running down the field and he just smashes into the returner sure. and gets the penalty. Okay. That's not great awareness right there, but.
2: And, look, and let's be Let's be honest. You're probably going to get the knucklehead penalties every now and then from Kelvin Joseph. It's just, sure. it's kind of who he is right now.
1: It is who he is. But I think that Kelvin Joseph has not played a lot of football at LSU he didn't play a lot of football at, at, at Kentucky. You know, I think Kelvin Joseph needs to get work, needs to get reps. I think he can cover. I think he's quick enough. I think he's aggressive enough. You know, you see a guy when he's in there, he's willing to tackle. You know, yeah. there's guys he's willing to go in there and tackle. The same with Bland. You know, you may, be, you may be playing these types of guys. You know, we saw what happened. We saw what happened with Brown. Uh, it's got to the point where I didn't even know Brown was healthy enough. You know, he right. just didn't look like the same player. The Kelvin Joseph, he could give up big plays too, just like Brown did. But I have a feeling though, he's aggressive. He's, you know, we'll see about the the football, the, you know, the, the, the I'm going to say, the, I'm not going to say the IQ, but like the awareness and stuff the like instinct. that. Instinct. I think he just needs to get an opportunity in practice and go out there and play because he's capable. He's a capable player. Dan Quinn did not go to Lexington, Kentucky just to work out Quentin Bohanna. He didn't do yeah. that. He saw something in this kid, and I'm going to trust Dan Quinn's going to get him ready just like he got Bland ready to play. Yeah, you know I'm going to trust him that now if it doesn't work out and you want to put in Kendall Sheffield there, please just kind of know what you're up against if, in fact, that's the route they go.
2: Just as we uh, wrap up this segment, before we get into a little uh, much, uh, either much awaited or, or much dreaded OBJ talk, depending on on where your level is at in terms of uh, your, your your threshold for all the OBJ chatter. But Brian, uh, anybody else you want to highlight really quickly? As you thought, just played really well on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I thought that I thought it was Tyler Biotis just one of his best games. When you looked at the way that the Cowboys in protection. Handling the twist stunts and things like that. I thought he did a really nice job. The running game, I thought he did an excellent job in the running game. It's not easy to deal, you know, with those guys inside when you talk about Stewart, Butner, those guys. I mean, it, it is a it's a kind of an all-day task to have to take care of those guys. And I thought he did a really, really good job. I want to commend the wide receivers for the way they were able to block in the running game when I'm talking about the toss sweeps the crack toss, whether it was Brown, Gallup, Lamb, everybody on the outside, those receivers coming down, sealing off guys, getting big linemen out in the the space and letting them finish up those blocks. I thought that was really some pretty football. When you see the ball tossed, you see the quarter captured, and a lot of that blocking started because a wide receiver who's been making catches all day, all of a sudden decides he's going to block. I think that's something you have to be very, very proud of.
2: Now I, I'm I'm curious. We we talked a lot. We 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 both I, I think dumped a lot on on Tyler Smith. Not not like hit him too hard. We just said it, it was a tough performance, short three day turnaround. He looked a little overwhelmed. Everything else. Uh, I I don't think he was like the best guy on the line yesterday. But I thought he bounced back well. Um, I, I I thought he I thought he played okay. He he had a nice block on uh the first big run of the day for Tony Pollard, the 17 yard nice. one. He helped seal that. Um, but overall, I thought it was nice to see. Tyler Smith didn't appear to be in his head too much from, from the last game against the giants. It looked like he, he bounced back. Okay.
1: No. And I think the thing with Tyler Smith is he needs a full week of practice and let's be honest, you know, the, the, the giants are a big blitz heavy team. They kind of found out that they could bring the rush at him and he was going to short circuit a little bit. And I kind of felt like that, you know, he needs those, he needs all those practice days. In order to completely digest the game plan and be ready to go, and again, I thought he broke it down a little bit because we talked about three games in 12 days. His body right now is saying, "Okay, Tulsa season's over; it's time to go do something yep. else." And but you know, he's got he's got uh, he's got more football left, and he's got a playoff to worry about as well. So you know, hopefully, whether he plays a tackle or plays a guard, he can continue to give them the quality play that he has throughout the season.
2: Really quick here, because uh, we're already running long in the segment, but just curious, uh, when Tyron Smith comes back at left tackle, if it was up to you, would you roll with Tyler Smith or Connor McGovern at guard for now? I'll
1: tell you, let me just be honest with you. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I think they're thinking. Uh, I don't think it's a slam dunk that Tyler Smith is going to be the starter at left guard, or at left guard. excuse me. I think there's going to be maybe – we've seen these guys rotate offensive linemen, whether it's tackles, guards, We've seen them rotate these guys. We could very well see a situation where McGovern and Tyler Smith both are getting work as Tyron Smith is getting work at left tackle.
2: You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Brian. Uh, Quick time out. I got to jump in really quickly and remind everybody here about our wonderful partner at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I keep telling you guys, if you are fans of wings, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, those are the days that you need to go to Boomer Jacks. Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they've got deals for you every other day of the week. they got drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, and it is the coldest beer you're going to find in the Metroplex or anywhere else. Wall-to-wall TVs, and I don't, I don't say that as some sort of exaggeration, like, oh, wall-to-wall TVs. That's not a simile. It literally is TVs that basically cover every space of the walls at Boomer Jacks. There's also live music, great TVs that you can catch any game, any sport that you're looking for uh, there at Boomer Jacks. Uh There's 17 DFW locations, so you can find yours by going to Boomerjacks.com. That's Boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, I, I, I know you don't want to have this talk. I'm tired of this talk. I think most of us are tired to the stock, and it's it's luckily, I think, finally coming to an end. I, I hope we have some sort of a resolution soon. But it is uh, Odell Beckham Jr. week here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Odell Beckham Jr. We're recording this on Monday night. Uh, spent time at the Star on Monday. Uh, got looked at by doctors. Uh, I believe hung out with Mike McCarthy. Talked to Jerry Jones. Is going to the Mavericks Suns game tonight in Dallas. Uh, where he'll allegedly be courtside with a few guys. Uh, and then tomorrow he'll uh, hang around again and, and have a second day, which is in line with how he's visited these other teams. Giants, Bill, same sort of setup. It was a two-day visit. So we should, in theory, have an answer soon as to, to whether Dallas wants to proceed or not. I, I know this is, it has become incredibly complicated. We've played audio about it. We've talked about what Jerry's had to say, what Josina Anderson's had to say, Ian Rappaport, all these various people it's a very cloudy, murky situation. Here's where I come down on this, Brian, is that I feel like if the cloudy murkiness has not been enough to chase away Jerry Jones yet, I don't know that 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 same murkiness in person is going to do it for him. I feel like, I, I think Jerry has has really strongly in his mind committed to, I want to make this happen. It's not a, a, a guarantee he ends up here in Dallas. I, I'm not saying like it's 100%. It's already done. I think it's more likely than not he's here in Dallas because I, I just think Jerry Jones has fallen in love and thinks he's found his modern day version of the Charles Haley move.
1: Oh, you could very well be right about that. Uh I you know, I I think they've gone a long way down this road. I really, really do. And uh, you know, I I like what you're saying about the Charles Haley move. The Charles Charles Haley's move was was just tremendous that move, Sanders, you know, Deion Sanders, you know, those are players that you add that just are just, you know, complete difference makers. I just wonder if there's enough time for Odell Beckham to be a difference maker here. I I would love to see him do it. I also wonder though, their situation with the medical, are they kind of saying, well, the knee is okay and we're going to be able to get him ready in a couple of weeks. That'll be OK. And, you know, we'll get him ready for the run against uh, the Eagles and the, the the Titans and the commanders and you get into the playoffs. You know, is it going to be worth it for the Dallas Cowboys, you know, for the next uh, three weeks for sure uh, and and going on into the playoffs? And, uh, I, you know, I I'd love to see him do it. I'd love to see when teams make moves. I remember a time I talked about this with the cowboy, excuse me, the Packers when we added Andre Ryzen, but that was at the midway point of the season. That was eight games that he got to play. Yeah. Uh, I, I I I I just wonder if the if the knee is in actually in good shape and is he going to be ready to go. And there might be a time where it's like, listen, the knee isn't ready and it's not in good shape. And we're going to have to work him in the next couple of weeks. You know, you you're only going to get him for so many games. And when is it is it worth it to go for these games? Sure, because Odell Beckham can do a lot of great things. I believe he can. But sure. also also think there might be a situation where they're looking at and they're going. Listen, we know where this knee's at. We probably don't like it a lot the way it is. But by God, we're going to find a way to make it work. And. You know, that's gonna be on the player, that's gonna be on the team to to make sure that they get the, the best benefit out of it.
2: You know, I, I noticed something earlier today, Brian. I was uh I was just kind of looking over the injury history for Odell Beckham, and it's he's pretty missed, extensive, yeah. Yeah, well he's missed time with five injuries since 2017. Every single last one of those five injuries is an injury to his left leg. It's a left aCL tear, left ACL tear, left quad contusion, which that quad is also right there above the knee. Um, left fibula fracture, left ankle sprain. So it's everything on the left side. Do you think that you think that's fluky or or do you think there's just questions about the durability of it? I mean, he's clearly had issues you know whether it be spraining an ankle over there or like i said the the quad the ankle and the fibula those are two things you have a sprain a couple weeks later you break it the break was a little you know kind of a freak injury in 2017 but then you know you've got the quad and the knee and everything else that's involved in that the fact that his last three injuries involve that structure is that a concern for you
1: well yeah i think that i mean <laughs> I say, yeah, and I mean, uh, I say, it, you know, you bring up an interesting point because I, you know, tracking all the left side injuries. You know, I wonder if a trainer or a doctor or somebody would have a really, really good answer to that. And that might be one of those things that if you were in the player personnel department, you would say, Hey, listen, this guy's extensive injury history is all in that left leg. Is there something we're missing here? Is there something we could do to help him? Uh, is there some type of, Uh, you know, machinery or anything that we could test him on, work him on, get it stronger. Uh, I don't know. It it sounds like to me like a lot of terrible luck is really what it sounds like right now. But I don't know how you could not say, well, that's it's happened. It's actual fact. It's that left leg that's been giving him the problem. So uh, I still do believe whatever team signs him, I believe that team is probably going to have to put some of their medical Uh, knowledge to work but they're also probably going to say we're willing to do this because of the player and probably probably wouldn't do it for a lot of players but for this player I think that they'll kind of maybe turn away from it and say okay we're willing to to make this happen.
2: Remember when the Cowboys had that uh, that stipulation in uh, Gerald McCoy's contract that was very particular to the quad that he ended out Tearing. Yeah. Um, and and so I mean I think it goes to show that you know Dallas's doctors are pretty good and, and they've got yeah. a pretty good understanding of of what is at risk into the future. So I will say this: if the Cowboys walk away from this, if they make the determination that they're walking away due to a medical, that it's a medical call, then what would be your your line? Because I know there'll be a ton of disappointed Cowboys fans who will feel like ah, uh, this is just what they're saying, they're, they're making this up. But to me, if the Cowboys draw a line and say the medical's not good, I think everybody should be out. I think you should trust Dallas's evaluation. So what what would be your your word to a Cowboys fan who's really frustrated when they hear, oh, the Cowboys are walking away because of a medical. Well, it was good enough for somebody else. Well, why, why couldn't it be good enough here?
1: Yeah, you're talking to a guy, and I've told this story before, where our doctors in Green Bay failed Larry Allen on a physical, Mm -hmm. you know, with the the rotator cuff. And, uh, you know, you never want to see a player playing somewhere else that you had the opportunity to grab. But as you said earlier, this medical staff, I worked 14 years with these guys, with a Dr. Cooper, you know, with – Uh, you know, with working with Jim Mauer, Britt Brown, I mean, you know, trainers, other trainers, doctors of the organization, Dr. Fowler, you know, uh, I mean, they've got some seriously outstanding doctors and medical staff and some of the best specialists in the country that work here in Dallas that they send their players to, you know, I would have to trust them. It, It just, I just remember, you know, being in Philadelphia too, where, uh Jeremiah Trotter, you know, I tell the story about Jeremiah Trotter. We dropped him in the third round, you know, linebacker, everybody knows Jeremiah Trotter. He played Philadelphia for like, you know, and and played with, you know, the commanders for a long time. And I, I remember a doctor telling me, he's like, Brian, I can't tell you if he plays 10 games or 10 years. I can't tell you that. So, you know, and you get Jeff Lurie, the owner of the Eagles say, listen, if we like the guy this much, let's do this. And Jeremiah Trotter played, had a really long career. So these are the things that kind of scare you a little bit. You want to go get the player. You want to go make it work. You want to trust your doctors. But you could also, you know, when you bring that guy in, that medical staff is going to, they understand where the player is at, but they're also, they're thinking like, okay, how can we prevent him from getting hurt again? You know, and that's going to be the that's going to be the next measure. If Odell Beckham signs, I guarantee you're going to see him every single day with Britt Brown on those cords trying to work and get himself right, and ready to go. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, sometimes you just have to you just have to take that chance and, and and see if you can make it work out.
2: If this gets done. And 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 if it's something where let's say Odell Beckham Jr. has the tells Jerry Jones in this meeting, I I don't think I can play this year. I, I I'm good for next year, but I don't think I can play this year. Jerry has said all along, look, it's 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 got to be for this year, and, and I understand that's what his position has been. But if they feel confident about him medically next year, and they're gonna lose this year do you think Jerry would stick to his words or do you think standing there in front of him, Jerry would go, I got to add this guy. I know what I said, but I got to add this guy. And we feel good about 2023. I've got to do it. Or or do you think that is a line in the sand for Jerry where if Odell cannot go this year, he is not going for it.
1: I think that's a line in the sand for Jerry. I think that, and now if Odell were to tell me that, listen, I will play on a two-year deal, but I'll one of the years will be a vet minimum and, you know, we can work it from there kind of a thing, then sure, you know, I'll get a jump on you. I'll, you can come on in. We'll rehab you. We'll do all this stuff. We'll get it all right. But if – if I, I really do. I I don't even know why I'm even entertaining the thought because Jerry Jones wants him to play right now. He sees what's going on in the NFC, the conference. He wants this player to help him win this conference and go to the Super Bowl
2: do you think and I know we we, we were chatting about this off there. I know you tweeted it suggested it we kind of referenced it with Ceedee lamb but do you think that for all the the receivers posturing about not posturing I don't want to say that that's a bad word for it for all the, the receivers talk and excitement about we would love to add Odell Beckham here we'd love to have him here that there is still a natural competitive fire that kicks in when you talk about adding somebody to that group, because it does seem like everybody's starting to click. Michael Gallup seems to be back to himself. CeeDee Lamb has taken his game up another level. It feels like it lit a bit of a fire. Is that just coincidence, you think? Or do you think that that very well may have gotten their competitive juices going, just hearing all the Odell Beckham chatter, like, boy, you need this guy because the receiving core is not good enough.
1: No, I, I think that clearly this these guys have gotten better. Gallup has more confidence. Gallup's running better routes. That touchdown that he caught where Dak sprints to his right, that that is just a busted play. And now all of a sudden you got Michael Gallup running from stationary guy across the, uh, across the field, and all of a sudden that ball is flying his direction. He catches it and he gets in. That's just him being an outstanding football player. C.D. Lamb, we kind of felt like that C.D. Lamb was going to be a guy that was capable of being a, a top player you know, top five, top eight receiver in this league, you know, kind of felt like that he had those kinds, that kind of ability. I think both these guys are really benefit from the offensive line with protection, a really good running game. Play calling has been pretty spot on right now. And you got a quarterback that's throwing the ball well. So I, I think that really it's not so much about CD or about, about Beckham coming in, even though I tweeted about last night, I, you know, tweet, I'm like, Hey, it looks like that, lamb is trying to say hey there's no need to bring odell in here you know uh you know he's trying to keep him out of here but i do believe that these guys are sincere when they say having odell beckham would be a good thing for them i do think they believe that because bobby you go in that locker room every day i do feel like it's a very very close locker room and i think they would love to have a guy like odell beckham help them win games
2: absolutely and i guess that i I, like i said i don't want to make it sound like they're they're lying i think they're absolutely serious i just think that. There's definitely. I feel like there's definitely a possibility that both are true, though. They do want yeah. Odell Beckham here. They do, but also at the same time, in the discussion of Odell Beckham, they're hearing a lot of people be critical of the receiver group isn't good enough, and they say, "Look, we want Odell Beckham, but we're going to show you we are good enough." Yeah, and exactly. when we perform at high, I think you know you you you've been around athletes for a long time. They will a lot a lot of these athletes will make things out of whole cloth that aren't even real adversaries just to give themselves an edge and just to give themselves a motivating factor. And so yeah. it wouldn't surprise me at all. I know, I know you were being a little tongue in cheek with it, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's, if it's both and that it is, you know, they, they they want Oda Beckham here, but they absolutely took some competitive fire from there's a lot of outside noise about our core isn't good enough and we need somebody like this. Well, we'll show you we're good enough and we still want him. Yeah. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, before we jump into our extended listener mailbag, I got to give a big thank you to your friends, my friends, our friends here at Love of the Star, our wonderful partner, Boomer Jacks. You know, I was at Boomer Jacks on Sunday evening uh, catching a few games. It was a a great night. Uh, We had the family with me, my wife, my two girls. Uh, and, and, man, the girls were in love with the table-side s'mores setup that you can buy. You can literally get s'mores at Boomer Jack's to make there at your table. Uh, but the wife had the wings, and I've been telling you guys about these wings and how great they are, and they got a deal for you. Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. So whichever one you prefer, go to Boomer Jack's on those days, and they'll have you set up. But they got deals for you every other night of the week as well, including $3 drink specials. $15 buckets of beer, and it is the coldest beer you're going to find in the Metroplex or anywhere else. Wall-to-wall TVs, live music, just a wonderful atmosphere. Find your Boomer Jacks, one of 17 DFW locations by heading to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time to roll into our favorite segment of the week. It is our listener mailbag. where we turn things over to our dear, sweet listeners for their thoughts and their questions. I'm going to actually lead us off on our listener mailbag because I have not gotten a chance to ask you yet i don't know if you've been able to dive in but i'm gonna kick it off right away have you gotten a chance to start on any players yet i know you were you're were playing on it but did you actually get a chance to watch any college players yet
1: watch 10 what yeah
2: but who's the best player you've seen so far
1: i'll tell you what the running back at texas might be the best one i've seen seriously he's,
2: he's very online. very good and you know what my fear is people aren't going to value the running back enough and he's going to go on land oh no off.
1: Hell no. I mean, that's the thing about it is I, I will, I will tell you this. And I, I, regardless of the position you watch him play and people are going to, I, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this with my chest. This guy's got some Barry Sanders skill to him. Whoa. He really, 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 really does. When you watch the balance and the control and the way he's able to move and adjust his ability to catch the football and all that. I I was, I mean, I was super, super impressed with his ability to make plays. Now, what I'm doing right now, I've looked at Will Anderson, the edge from Alabama, Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia, I think is, man, he is so, so difficult to block. You know, Bryce Young is going to be a guy that is going to test you and because there's not a player you could ever compare him to because of how he looks, you know, physically. He yeah. looks very frail, very small, but the way he's able to move around, the smoothness that he plays with, Miles Murphy, the edge from Clemson. I'm he's telling you,
2: what very good he is. He so you good. can you
1: cannot draw him. You cannot draw a defensive up any better than what Miles Murphy looks like. I'll tell you what. I think I like Christian Gonzalez, the corner from Oregon, a little bit better than I like Keely Ringo, the corner from Georgia. Peter Skaronsky, the offensive tackle from Northwestern, kind of like Paris Johnson, a little bit better out of Ohio State.
2: I oh, we, 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 might, we might have a fight over that one during draft season. Which Just one? You know. Peter Skaronsky? I, I, I like Skaronsky a lot.
1: I'll tell you what, I, I there was some times... And I like there, Paris
2: Johnson too.
1: I'll tell you what, I, I found that Peter Skaronsky was a little bit more catch to his game. A lot of catching. I didn't see a lot of punch. I didn't see a lot of sitting down. I think he's a good football player, but I'm interested. I know people have Skaronski as the top guy, and I really do like, but I like, uh, you know, I like Parrots uh, Johnson a lot. And then uh, Brian Brisey, the uh, the uh, defensive tackle for yeah. Clemson. I mean, th- these Clemson's got some guys now. There's no question about that across that defensive line. But Anderson, Carter, I man, I will tell you what, that 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 Carter is super impressive, but I that that Bijan Robinson at running back, when you hand him the ball or throw him the ball, he's got that ability where you hold you're playing against him, you're holding your breath on the guy. I mean, you're just holding you're holding your breath because you're thinking he's gonna spin, he's gonna cut, he's gonna cut while he's jumped with both feet off the ground. Uh it's a position of running back, hate on the position all you want. That kid right there is one of the top. He, he I could say right now, probably a top uh, anywhere between a top five and a, a top five, top seven player right now for you in the country. I kind of think all those those the edge rusher, the quarterback, and that defensive tackle will probably go ahead of him. But don't sleep on that B. John Robinson.
2: Well, it sounds like you've uh, your your studies. You you've gotten to see some fun players, though. It, it sounds like a, a, a fun so far. I, I've got yeah. I've got to dive in more. I I've got to make my annual. you I need to get you. I need to drag you out to Exos finally this year so that you can go watch these yeah. guys. at Briscoe, we got we got to catch yeah. up on those guys and then take a look at them. Well, uh, the,
1: the, yeah, the thing I work at, you know, it's funny because I got a kid that's at the University of Texas, and that's not my B. John Robinson love for Texas. Not my, surely not my love for you being a sure, Texas that's guy. Nice. But but man, I tell you, when you got kids in school, you got to work about seven jobs to make sure that they get everything they need, right?
2: Yeah, That's the way yeah. It works, yeah, yeah. I, I I hear you on that. It'll be off season. We won't have. Uh, hopefully, we we'll
1: we'll, Yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll get.
2: We'll there. free it up because okay. I'm, I'm too, well, This is off air conversation, but there's a lot of valuable stuff there, Brian. All right, yeah. let's, let's move on to the listener questions here. Uh, first question from Joey K. Number eight is Donovan Wilson a Pro Bowl player, Brian?
1: No, he's not. And But you know what? he He's he's done a great job when it comes to uh, how physical of a player he is. I, I, I love the fact that he's a willing hitter. He'll wrap you up as a tackler. Uh, I just kind of feel like there's a little bit of inconsistency there with him as a player, a little bit of some hot, a little bit of some cold. You know, there's been times where the ball's bounced outside on him. He hadn't been able to get out and make a play. But that I think a little bit, I think the safeties as a whole played very well. Curse, Hooker. You know, we've been waiting for Malik Hooker to have this type of game. Who knew you had to bring the Colts in, name him captain, then all of a sudden the ball starts going his way. But yeah, I, I think with Wilson, I, I think he's a, a a good player. I wouldn't say he's a Pro Bowl player.
2: You know, and I, I agree with you. I don't think Donovan Wilson's a Pro Bowl player, but I do think Donovan Wilson is the type of player you win with. Super
1: tough, super tough that maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe the out of bounds shot that he takes every once in a while, the unsport. He is so aggressive and, you know, he wants to hitch. He wants to knock the ball loose. He's emotional the way he plays. But yeah, I think there's some, some inconsistencies in his game. And I think that's what kind of holds him back at times.
2: Next question here from Mick. What will they do at running back next year? A healthy Zeke looked good last night. He's actually looked good a couple weeks now. Uh, I say he's more important than Pollard, as explosive as Pollard is. Can't sign him for too much. Brian, your thoughts, what would you do, and what do you think they'll do at running back?
1: I don't know what the situation is, Bobby, when we start to look at the – when we look at the – Yeah. Like the cap with the cap situation stuff. Are they going to need, are they going to need Zeke's money? Are they going to be able to do it? Are you going to have to take a huge cap hit? You know, I think that they've kind of figured out things about what they can do with Zeke. Now, can you do things with Zeke and then go get another guy? I really like what Malik Davis has brought to this crew. I really, really, really do like what he's brought to this crew. And, you know, that's, That it's a good combination that they got. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't know what money they're going to need. Are they going to need money? Are they going to be willing to take cap hits?
2: I I believe I believe as of right now, they are dead last in 2023 cap space right now.
1: Yeah.
2: So they are going to have to flip some switches.
1: Yeah, and they've got what 19 guys that are gonna be free agents or something like that? Yeah, yeah, and
2: you've got you've got CeeDee Lamb's deal coming up. You've got you know a a Trayvon Diggs deal coming up. So Yeah,
1: it's tough. It's tough. It
2: it is. Uh next question here uh from one of our loyal listeners, Dean Julia.
1: Uh wait a minute now. What does Dean Julia give you to every week you ask a question from Dean Julia?
2: Wonderful questions outside-the-box questions because that's the thing is that like we'll get a lot of odell questions i see
1: i see like a million i see a million questions from people i see a million i know
2: and that's the thing though is that we get we 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 get generally like we got like just now when i was looking through There was a lot of questions about just the corners. Like it was the, it was the stuff. I, I, could,
1: I could say we probably done one broadcast every week where Dean Julia has got a
2: question in there. Do you hate, do you, are you not a Dean Julia fan, bro?
1: I like Dean Julia. <laughs> I'm just saying, though, it seems like, and he asked good questions, but I know there's a lot of other good questions in there too. I'm just kind of making an observation. I'll, I'll, I,
2: all right. All right. All right. I got uh, What's his question? Out, out and clear. Do you think there are too many predetermined throws early in the games? It feels like a lot is forced to Schultz when he really isn't open. I don't think there's anything forced to Schultz. I think that's a factor of he trusts Dalton Schultz and he trusts Ceedee Lamb more than he trusts other guys. So it looks forced because he believes he can do things with them that he can't do with other guys on the team.
1: I think it's a good way to get the quarterback started. I know Brett Favre when he was with uh, Mark Shamira the pass was called 50x spot, and it was it was that pass was a way to get. Uh, farve into the game where it wasn't an overthrow or trying to force the ball into somebody. It was a simple throw. You get the nerves calmed down. There's nothing wrong with throwing the ball to Schultz. I, I think I don't think it's forced. I think there's I think Dalton Schultz has proven though he can make plays for you. You know, so I I don't see that as a as a as a forced call at all.
2: Last one here from Playballer DC, Brian. What do you think the chances are we can keep Dan Quinn next year?
1: I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of teams. Dan Quinn's contract is almost like he's being paid, like he's a NFL head coach, the compensation. I know Dan Quinn's very happy about being here, but there's only 32 of these jobs. I, I say that all the time. I mean, if Dan Quinn has been a coach, matter of fact, they're a bad half away at the Super Bowl from all probably still having head coaching jobs. You know, uh, that, that, that whole situation probably still be in Atlanta you know, probably wouldn't have fired a Super Bowl winning coach. But to me, I feel like that if you look at how Dan Quinn handles players and what he's learned and how he, you know, he just comes off as very polished. He comes off as a guy that, uh, that has an understanding of what he wants with with his team. And he's a really good evaluator. Him and Will McClay do a lot of work together, shoulder to shoulder. Um, I, I think if I'm a guy of a general manager, I, I go and I try and interview him. But a lot of these teams that you're they're having new coaches or head coaches probably don't have a quarterback and they're probably going to have to go evaluate a quarterback. And they're probably going to have to do it in a way like, OK, as an offensive coordinator, as a head coach, offensive coordinator, tell me the type of quarterback you want to play with. And that's why these defensive coaches are probably not going to get as much looks as we've seen in the past some some defensive coordinators uh, have gotten some opportunities. Uh, Matt Eberflus in Chicago, but that's after a run of, you know, of uh, having an offensive coach there. So, you know, we'll see how it does. I, I hope they can keep him, but I know Dan Quinn wants to be a head coach in the NFL.
2: Yeah, and I know there's, uh, well, he wants to be a head coach in the NFL. I do, like you say, I do know he's really happy being here. And, and you know, I, I think that, it's not just going to be any job. I don't think that would pull him away. I, th- I think there, there are certain jobs that he would he would definitely leave for. But I, I think I,
1: I think that. in Denver they'd like to have him right now. I mean,
0: I think, I, yeah, as, I think as takes- well
1: as yeah, as well as they're playing on defense, that Dan Quinn could have done great things like that defenses right now, and they would have figured out they would have figured out the offensive the part of that football team. Yeah, I absolutely. Think, yeah,
2: and I, I and I think if Denver were to come open this offseason, I think that is a job that he would absolutely, absolutely. be yeah. interested in, and so yeah. that would be one of them. But it is, and I'll tell you this: the other thing here, even though it's different sides of the ball, your quarterback loves the guy. Your yeah. your quarterback is very very high on that guy, and yeah. and there's a lot of people on the other side. There's nobody who dislikes Dan Quinn in that building. I
1: think and, if something, yeah, I think if all of a sudden you have a collapse in the playoffs and it looks really really bad, and all of a sudden Jerry Jones is impatient with Dan with with Mike McCarthy, I think that you would get Stephen and Will McClay pushing really hard to bring Dan Quinn on as the head coach, and and because he is really really good on personnel, he lets those guys do their job. You bring somebody in here like Sean Payton, who is going to want to run personnel. That's a little bit harder, a little bit harder task on scouts. It's a little bit harder task on Will, and a harder task on on Steven Jones.
2: That does it for us here on the Love of the Star podcast. We will be back with you guys again later this week, hopefully with a resolution finally on Odell Beckham so we don't have to talk about it until Hey, then. And, yes, and, yes,
1: D- yes. And, and Dean, Julia, I love you, man. I'm just having fun. <laughs> I'm just having fun with Bobby. Please he's don't not,
2: take Dean, that's not about you. He's criticizing my uh, He's criticizing my process. He I just,
1: I just feel like there's a lot of folks that ask great questions. Dean, you're one of them but I'm busting Bobby's balls right now because he's being lazy about getting these questions.
2: And I deserve it. I deserve my balls busted from time to time. We will talk to you guys again later this week.